to another episode of the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty Podcast. I'm Sonny and I'm your host. Today we're going to be taking our first seat at the negotiation table and we're also going to have a little segment on players a little later as well. Um, if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can find me at BigKnowledgeFO1 and if you want to email the show, you can reach us at BigKnowledgeFootball at gmail.com. Um, Negotiation is a big subject. It's got a lot of different types of negotiations, some used in fantasy, some not. Uh, a lot of different layers to this subject, so I'm going to do my best to break it down into some digestible pieces that we can kind of build on each other as we go, and hopefully uh, we can you know, get a nice foundation and uh, learn some stuff about negotiation together. Now, there's a lot of different elements to what I'm going to be talking about in, the, in these strategy sessions. Um, some of them are negotiation tactics, some are human psychology things, and, and some is just downright like mad scientist lab work. So take it for what it's worth. Um, if you're not a big fan of analogies or symbolism or even meet someone going off on tangents, uh, these segments might, might not be your cup of tea. But um, if you are willing to venture down this rabbit hole with me, I think that you'll see that there's a lot of you know to gain from from this subject of negotiation, uh, both in fantasy football and in life. So first, let's talk about what's not negotiations. Sending trade offers to people, um, and then when they reject it, sending a little less bad of a trade offer, you know, one that's a little not as bad as the one the first one you sent, and maybe making a little note on it to, to you know, explain why you think they should accept it. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about trade negotiations. I'd like you to imagine trade negotiations almost like a burning building where there's lots of loot in there, there's a lot of goodies, there's some you know some real value to be had, a lot of stuff in there, but you've got to be willing to run in that burning building and you've got to risk the chance of being burnt because negotiations, what they really are is this magical place where two human beings, they kind of engage each other and, and different things happen, different things are said, different you know information shared. And out of that, sometimes the most miraculous events can happen, and, and one side definitely gets the edge over the other, and, and sometimes you're on the winning side of those, and sometimes you're on the losing side of those, and what we're going to try to develop is the ability to stay on the winning side of those. Um, so the guy who's sending those trade offers and, and you know just kind of like throwing out offers and then if you know just basically trying to get somebody to take a lopsided trade but never really engaging those people... He's kind of like a guy who goes to that, that burning building door and just knocks and is hoping somebody will bring out the goodies. Um, so what I'm saying is, yeah, you sometimes can get that. That'll happen where sometimes you just find somebody who, when we talked about player and evaluations, just have poor evaluations and therefore don't really understand the value of players or different picks and things and therefore will just make a move like that. But you're kind of guessing at that point. You don't really know because you're not even really talking to them. So... That, to me, is not really negotiating. In fact, those kind of players, if you come across a guy like that, um, usually not only is he a terrible trade offer person, you know, he makes terrible trade offers, but he also, most likely, when you're making him offers, will, will value his guys at their maximum in almost every case. I for some reason, I think this guy has FOMO, which if you don't know what that means and you live under a rock, FOMO is fear of missing out. And I feel like, in a way, these guys, they never want to make a mistake. That's why they're always offering crap trades, because they, they just want to make sure. If they you know if they make a trade, it's just going to be a guaranteed win. And then when they get trades in, they never want to give up their players for less than 
the max value that that guy could handle and therefore it just becomes really hard to deal with these people so if you see these guys usually i cross them off my list pretty quickly because there's just no point negotiation it takes two and you can't negotiate with somebody who you know has kind of essentially when we start talking about defense you'll find that these people have pretty good defense but they have no offense and so you know to follow up on that the defense is really what we're going to be talking to about today because when I spoke about the burning building and I, and I talk about you know imagining this negotiation as running into this burning building and, and risking getting burned, well, we've all had different trades in our life where, you know, some good ones and some bad ones. And I can tell you, I've had some really bad trades. You know, I've had a lot of good trades and my teams are great and I feel great about pretty much every team. I feel like I've had a couple trades that just live with me and they're so bad. I mean, just terrible. And it just hurts, and it doesn't matter how many good trades you make. You cannot get over these things. So in a way, a part of the reason I really want to start with defense is just to help help protect you from, from that experience in any way possible because it really is such a, a terrible feeling when you when you find yourself there just remorseful. And usually you know it right away. I'm not really talking about the trades that, you know, a year later you've been proven to be, you know, it was a dumb trade. That that's going to happen because we can't predict the future. But what I'm saying is those trades that just somehow you just get into the negotiations, you get all hot and bothered. It's like going into a car dealership and you go in there to to see the car. You take a car test ride, and next thing you know, you're signing papers and you've gotten the deluxe package and, and the whole works. And you're going, what what the heck just happened? And, and that's it's just something about engaging people. You know, it's it's kind of the same feeling when you walk into to a little store and say in Hawaii, I've experienced this where it's the mom and pop kind of store and and they own the store and the moment you walk in there's nobody else there and they just kind of come around the counter and they greet you and and they're spending this time there to to for all of your needs and whether you realize it or not you are way more likely psychologists i mean this is proven statistics prove this that you are way more likely to buy something from them just by that gesture just by them coming around now you feel indebted to them and the same thing goes with negotiations when you start engaging with people you start making a connection with them you start having uh, you know this uh, this feeling of, of commitment and attachment to this deal and so that's why i really think it is important that that we get our heads around defending ourselves and so we don't get burned and we don't get you know make the major mistake um and, and really have have the remorse because that's the worst. All the good trades in the world won't make up for for a few bad ones, at least for the mind's sake. So maybe the first thing about defense is you got to kind of look within yourself. I think that's I don't remember the, who said it, but you know, know thyself. It's a very important part of of going into the, that burning building is is having an understanding of what your weaknesses are, what your tendencies are, what your leaks are. Because if you don't think you have any, then you're not then you're really not paying attention. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways you can figure this out. Go back and look at your old trays. Just kind of contemplate what things trigger the impulse in you to make you just want to do things. Uh, a lot of these tendencies we have, all of us have similar tendencies. There's not that many in dynasty football, I think, because you know it mixes football. But you know, like for example, and, and I'm and I'm going to be doing in the next episode. I'm actually going to be doing a complete breakdown of a trade, actually two trades that went down with one guy in two different leagues. Um, it's going to be more of a detailed trade breakdown where instead of, you know, a lot of times I think when you hear trade talk, you just hear like this guy and this guy for that guy and that guy. And you go, hmm, this team won. And then maybe somebody says, you know, well, what about the context? You know, what, how, how many players do they have on our team? And somebody said, oh, well, you know, he had a lot of receivers and no running back. So it was a good, you know, it was a good trade for this guy. I'm, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. But really, <laughs> what I always wonder is how come nobody asks 
Well, how did the guy who got the good deal get the good deal done? Because I think it rarely happens where the guy just sends the trade and there's just some dumb guy on the other end going, oh, I guess I'll accept that trade. I mean, it does. There's there's some dumb people out there, and that's those are. But that's easy pickings, and, and those easy pickings are going to go away, and, and you're not always just going to stumble on those. We, we got to find ways to really make make those things happen for us. So we're going to actually break down this trade and look at the dynamics of the trade, the dynamic of my relationship with this person. Obviously, I'm going to leave out all the personal stuff and, and things about the league, but I do want to get into you know just how, how it broke down. There's a lot of different details about it, and one of the things about this guy is he's a my guy guy. So he's a guy that has particular players that he falls in love with pretty much every year, and he, he just has to have them. And you know, what, the problem with that, and that's why I'm saying with this defense, is if, if you're one of these guys, and I have you know some, some of these tendencies as well as far as having a my guy, my, you know, every year there's guys I fall in love. I think we all do. But the thing about it is if that is your, one of your tendencies, you need to, to be able to either overcome that bias, you know, overcome it, it by, by kind of training yourself and training your brain, which can be very valuable just to you know, kind of see it from a different perspective. But also, if you can't do that, if that's just too hard, then you need to at least hide that. You need to keep that from your opponents. Um, you know, you got to keep the – so that when they – if they're sitting there thinking like, you know, that guy every, – every year this guy falls in love with a certain player and he just charges after him, then they know you're one of those guys. So, you know, if they've already figured that out, then, then there's you're, – you're already running out of – then the only thing you can do is really like go to them for other players that aren't your guy – and hope that somehow your guy gets brought up in the conversation, then maybe you can, you know, there's, those, are, those are some other techniques we'll, we'll get into further down the road. But my point is, is to defend yourself, you need to learn yourself. You need to learn what are those tendencies I have and really start to be comfortable with that and really, you know, look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, th- this is something that I got to watch out for. That when the moment comes, I've got to really check myself and say, what, what, it, you know, what is it worth? Is it worth what I'm giving up? Or am I just, you know, kind of gotten head over heels and, and now I'm no longer thinking? Because really, if I if I know that you are somebody who is, you know, a my guy kind of guy, then, then all it comes down to for me is just figuring out exactly how rational you are. You know, if you're the further, the, the less rational you are, the more I know I can take from you, the more I know I can squeeze you um, because I know you're going to want that guy. And if I've seen it a couple of times where you're just really not that rational, then that's that's a golden opportunity for me to know hmm, I've got one of his guys and I know this guy will just pay for it so let me squeeze and, and usually you know there's just there's no recourse unless you're just willing to give up on that guy which that's you know like I said that's part part of what you're going to either have to overcome or you're going to have to find a way to not give up that info and let people know that that's your approach and, and that's where you're coming from. The other key to defense is. And I talked about this in the last episode, and this is so important. And it's the it's the word no, the ability to say no. And again, I'm not talking about saying no in the context of, you know, you get a bad trade offer and you're like, reject. No, nope. that's easy. I mean, we all we all know that feeling, and it's just like a no brainer. That that is not you're not working any muscle when you're when you're saying no there. What, what I'm talking about is. Imagine running into that burning building. Let's go back to the burning building. So you run into the burning building. You got all this loot. You see it. You've got checking different rooms. You haven't found anything good yet, but you, you've got some prospects. You're starting to drag stuff towards the door. But then all of a sudden, the roof starts to collapse, and, and you're about to get burned big time. So imagine in that burning building, if you had this just this ability to just you know beam me up, Scotty, and, and zap right out of there. And the truth is, you do, and it's called the no. It's the you know the no button. 
And it just, I know it seems like it's so obvious, like, yeah, well, duh, I just say no. But when you get into these negotiations, it's not that easy. You're talking about human relations and you're talking about not sometimes just not just hours of negotiating or 15 minutes of negotiating. That usually, you know, there's only so much attachment you get to it. But a lot of these negotiations go on for days. You know, you, you talk to somebody about a certain player and then there's a back and forth and then the next day you respond and maybe they've got other trade things coming. And, and it works itself out over multiple days. And if you're not careful, things can flip on your head. And next thing you know, things you were talking about and players you had negotiation-wise can really just switch around. And all of a sudden, you know, you feel like you've lost control of the situation. You feel like you've lost control of, of that that trade negotiation a lot of people don't know how to bail out. They don't know how to just you know zap themselves right back out of there. And, and if you've got a strong no, and that's something that, that I'll talk about a little bit more, just work on that strong no. Work on the ability to, to just find, get in there, get in that room, run around, try all different stuff. But then if it doesn't work out, just say no. Because sometimes bailing out of the negotiations, it's not only the best thing for you, but it's the best thing for the trade itself. Because down the line, that trade may work itself back out and actually reshift into your favor but wouldn't have happened that way had you continued the negotiations um, as they were going. So yeah, I would highly recommend that you kind of just, if you get a chance, you're in a league already, try to just get, you know, whether it's people you know, don't know, just try to get involved in negotiation talks. Just find a way to get start talking with no other, you know, with no purpose besides to get in there, see what it feels like, get comfortable in that building of the, you know, the when it starts to get a little hairy get out and, and plan on saying no go in with the intention of saying no and just kind of bailing out you know ask about a player you're not really interested in who, who's a high-end player and if you get it if somehow you pull out magic and, and get that player for for a good value then great but really just go in to see w- what it feels like and try different things you know try try different approaches because we're going to really go over a lot more approaches and stuff on the offensive end and ways that we can try to shift that negotiation table uh, i like to look at it as a, a table you know just kind of like you on one side the, the, your opponents on the other side and you've got this flat table and you've got the players in the middle and, and just the littlest things in, in, in as far as that relationship in, in the way that you're approaching the way that you're saying um just the dynamics of the surrounding situations and also the player values, which will come in and we'll talk about more as well as the, the interpretation of the player values, um, will tilt that ta- the table like you know almost like it's the what do they call that teeter totter, you know, and, and tilting. So if you want to tilt that table in your favor, so that you know it's kind of and the further the, the more degrees you get that, the more likely you're going to get get better value. And so that's kind of where I, I look at it and say. You've got to get comfortable kind of getting down at that seat and just trying to figure out ways to do that. And I've got some ideas. In fact, I've got a lot of ideas, and we're going to be sharing that over the next segments. But for now, I would definitely just work on defense. Try to figure out what your tails are. Try to figure out if if you have any leaks and things that that people are exposing already or or could expose um, if you're not careful because maybe you're just a trade sender and you haven't actually been doing any negotiations, and so you don't really know that's like i said those people they have pretty good defense that's it's a pretty good defensive tactic if you just don't do anything or you don't do anything that can't hurt you and, and maybe that's what they're afraid of is afraid of that they know that maybe it happened to them a few times you never know or just get into a situation and get taken advantage of and you say Psh, i'm not doing that again well that's fine if you want to run away from it that's your call but to me that you know that's is where we can really build this muscle and strengthen our ability in the negotiation room and, and one of those ways is by really getting good at the defense, saying no, uh, you know, the ability to say no and just back out of a trade. Like I said, next week or next episode, I've got I've got some uh, some some good stuff. Um, and it's not just all, all 
great things I did. I made some mistakes along the way as well, and I think you'll see that. You know, it's just one of those things where just seeing how how the negotiations break out, I think it's helpful. And if you guys want to send some of your ideas, I would love to get some more trade info. I've got a lot of my leagues starting, and hopefully, I can make more trades. But there's no guarantee. I, I'm not. You know, a lot of my teams are very good, and I'm not trying to make too many deals just to make deals. So things will have to come up naturally. If they do, uh, I'd love to share it if, if, if I feel like it has some value and really you know, incorporate some of these things I've been talking about. But also, if you guys have ideas and, and, or have examples of things um, and you want to send them to me, hit me at, at gmail at the bigknowledgefootball at gmail.com and just you know, send me. It's got to be a real thing, so send me a link of the actual trade and then I, I really need to see your, your chat log as well so that you know, maybe you can put some notes on there of things that you tried or you know, did or how it went down. Um, so that I can get a feel for that, and then I would I would put it on the podcast if I feel like we can get some use out of it, and we can all learn kind of some different tactics. So that that's what I'm looking at um, for the rest of the segment here. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and talk some players. Um, this segment is called "If Warren Buffett Ran a Dynasty Team," or "If Warren ba- Buffett Played Dynasty." However you want to look at it, you know Warren Buffett is a famous investor, and, and he's always had these theories. He would look at companies that, you know, their total assets or just what they were worth if you took everything, broke it down, and just sold it off uh, was worth more than the stock was actually going for. And he would invest in those companies because, you know, obviously if it's worth more buying it and selling it off than it is, then that's an investment by itself that, you know, he can't really go wrong. If the, if the company turns out well, then that's great. But bottom line is, is there's value in that. So, uh, when I approach this, I'm looking at it like these are some guys that are they either based on talent or just production one, or both. One of those two things or both of those things is is a reason to look at this guy and say, wow, he's really undervalued. He's just, you know, he's a, a stock that I would buy. And and, and I think that uh, Mr. Warren Buffett might, might also consider buying if he played a little dynasty football. So I think Mr. Buffett w- would definitely agree that, that the wide receiver market for this season just looks really ripe um, as far as some of the prospects I see. So the first guy I want to start with is a wide receiver, and that's Rashard Matthews. I think that uh, this is a great buy right now. For some reason, he just can't get respect. The guy has been the top receiver for the Titans, and I know that Davis is coming along, so everyone just kind of assumes that Matthews is, is going to take a back seat. But just being second in line or you know maybe they're tied with Delaney Walker, isn't a bad thing and he's he's proven he's a very good receiver and a very underrated receiver and, and you know Eric Decker's gone and Taewon Taylor hasn't shown much so he might be good but either way I think that th- there's a solid place there for Rashard Matthews and he's being very you know very undervalued his production alone I think you know in terms of what's making that stock worth it is he'll give you good production that guy is a good buy uh, with his price because you will get good production um on the other side, now let's go talent. There's a wide receiver that I think that's just so talented, um, and that's John Ross. It's unbelievable to me that people have just completely given up on this kid. I mean, he's fast, um, for what I understand. He's a very good route runner, from you know, from what I've read and seen. Um, he may be a little bit soft, but he's world class fast and can run routes. You want guys like that, and from what I understand, he worked out with uh, Mr. T.J. Hujumuju. You know what I'm talking about uh, in the off season. So TJ Hujumuju was supposedly helping him get some some of his uh, route running and, and toughness down. That would that would be a big improvement. And I just think that he's just given up on so quickly by so many people that I think there's a super buy chance there, based on talent alone. Obviously not production, but talent. And so along those lines, another guy that's a little bit 
a little less, especially after the, the Hunter Henry injury. But Mike Williams, you know, still a super talented player, and there's so much opportunity for him. And people just after a little bit of a back problem, uh, you know, a, a rough rookie season, you know, and I get it. The Laquan, the Quan Treadwell thing doesn't help, and that and, you know that one that one's going to stick with people, especially with those big, big slower type receivers. But you still got there's the, his price is just so low that Mike Williams can definitely. He's a good buy right now because he's just such a good a good talent overall, and, and you know could turn out to be really something special. Um, okay, so another guy that actually could turn out to be special, and, and people have you know he's boomed and then busted, and I just think that Terrell Pryor is somebody that you know. I granted this ankle thing has really bothered me. I think I think that a big part of my trust in Terrell Pryor was that I think that he was injured a lot last season with Washington and it looked like he was going to make a comeback and it lit, teams were interested in him. You know, make no mistake. This guy is super talented. I mean, he is, when you look back to his high school days, there's no doubt he's one of the most gifted athletes period. And he played quarterback. So he understands football in, in a bigger dynamic than, than a lot of wide receivers. Maybe he's not the best route runner, but he's just so fast and big and tall and can jump and, you know, just, there's so much potential there. He's not young by any means, but he's young enough, and, and the guy can really play some football. I've seen, you know, we've seen it. It's it's real. So I just, you know, hopefully he can get his ankle injury together. But right now, he's people have just quit on the guy. They've totally given up. They think he's just a complete wash up. So this is a good time to go and scrape that off the floor because just by talent alone and semi production, you know, we did have some production. So there's there's some of that too. Uh, Thrill Pryor is definitely one that that I'm keeping on my radar. Okay, another guy is Kenny Stills. I think that uh, Kenny Stills is just the guy who keeps getting overlooked. And I'm guilty of this. I've never been a believer in Kenny Stills. And every year I keep going, wow, this guy, you know, he's pretty good. He's a good player. He's fast. He's a good route runner. He seems to have rapport with Tannehill. And and this guy named Jarvis Landry, who's just a target hog, is gone now. So, you know, yeah, Albert Wilson. Yeah, Devontae Parker could... Now, but I, that does, I just still think that there's room for Kenny Stills. He's going to be a player, and he could end up being a, a big-time player, and he's still just very cheap. So another good value. Warren would, would definitely approve of it, um, in my opinion. Okay, so I got only two running backs to talk about. Um, the first one is Chris Ivory. Uh, you know, he's just basically another free asset, and you know I love free assets. And I think that uh, when you got Shady McCoy, who is, is known to be injury prone, and, and you've got this team who clearly wants to just run the ball, and I, you know, I don't know what else, they're they're gonna. I, I think when you look to last year, Mike Tolbert was was a very effective uh, player at times, and and that when Shady got a little banged up, and so just by the chance that Shady gets hurt, Chris Ivory could become just a stud running back, or at least you know fill in for almost what McCoy did, if not better, um, because he is a power back, and he's he's kind of an underrated player. All, all together and you know every every team seems to pay him so the nfl understands he's a good player but for fantasy reasons nobody really falls in love with the guy and i get it he's not a great receiver and he's not a dynamic back but he, the guy is you know he's proven that he's he's a stud and he can get goal line carries and and he could be an every down back if given the chance so chris ivory is on my list and then the final guy is matt breeda the san francisco 49ers you know if you if you look at Mike Shanahan's offense when he was with Atlanta and, and you look at he's got Devontae Freeman and he's got Tevin Coleman, so what what makes you think that Jarek McKinnon is going to do more than what Devontae Freeman could do? And if you don't believe that, if you think Jarek McKinnon, because I like McKinnon and, and I'm not convinced he's going to be the everything back that, that some people are building him up to be, but I, I have a lot of shares of him and I'm, I'm really actually excited about 
what his potential is, especially in the receiving game. But I think that they want to have a one-two punch, and they don't have a lot else there. I don't think it's Joe Williams. And just in case, I mean, not only do you have Breida there being part of that one-two punch most likely, but in case McKinnon fails, in case McKinnon can't live up to the hype or gets injured or whatever, you've got this guy who is going to be most, I, mean, I just can't think of anyone else who would fit that role. If Joe Williams, you know, climbs into the picture, then then keep your, your, that on your radar. But otherwise, it's Breida, and, and he's really cheap. So another Warren Buffett best buy right there. I would definitely, um, you know, try to scoop him up where you can, if you, especially if you can just get him for almost nothing. There's, you know, there's people who believe in all of these guys, so you can't bank on just being able to find them all for free but you know what i'm saying these are values out there as you go down the list um these are kind of players that are not expensive to get whether you're in drafts and startups they're, they're they're going late in drafts um or whether you're in you know established leagues and you're just trying to you know make some trades for them and and as i spoke earlier i said about making trades um you know that, that being a trade offer it has its place and these times it's oftentimes where that place is and that is you know, kind of, you don't want to get in negotiations over low, low players because the the last thing you want is the guy kind of going, mm, he has interests in the guy. Let me try to get the max value of where this potentially, you know, this guy potentially could land. Instead, you want to keep that player at the low value. So you just kind of send some, some low offers and see if, if they may bite on any of them, um, you know, third, fourth. And so one more point I want to make um, just in, in strategy, you, you hear me talk a lot about IDP, um, you're going to hear me talk a lot about different strategies, you know, kick returns and punt returns points and things like that. My, my philosophy is, is is you really should be playing in the most complex leagues. Not you don't get ridiculous, but you should be playing in 12 team leagues. You know, if you're playing dynasty, and you should be playing really deep leagues, um, because in my opinion, you really should be playing IDP too. If you listen to my third episode, I think it was, you know, you'll see why I think there's really an, an edge to it. And, and if you're listening to this podcast, just trust me, you're working harder than at least 50% of the people in your league, if not closer to 90%. So you're you want it to be harder. You want it to be more, you know, more opportunities for other people to make mistakes. That's where you get your edge. So the more things you can incorporate into that league um, as far as scoring you know just like IDP I mean just like uh, PPR changed you know the standard league scoring and it gave it brought in more people and you add more flex spots and you add more depth spots uh, you add defense you add all these different scoring changes you know two QBs all this stuff is great it just makes it more dynamic it makes it more places where you can find an edge and where other people can make mistakes and you can take advantage of so you know that's something to me that that if you're listening to this and you're in dynasty leagues that are just small, small leagues and don't have a lot of depth and everything, you're not really in true dynasty. It's almost like a keeper. And, and I don't know, you know, I just don't know. I don't play in a lot of those leagues. All my leagues have a lot of depth, so there's really a lot of versatility. And, and almost all my leagues have defensive players as well. So I find that to be, you know, give me a, a lot of options as well. You can just build your team in so many different ways and, and become, you know, just like I said, have, have a lot of different options and a lot of versatility in the way you want to approach things. It's just better if the harder you're willing to work, you know, if you're willing to to go through this kind of work, there's just a lot of people who love football and they don't want to do this work. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about, you know, the people just getting sharper than you. Trust me that most people just they want to get there and they want to enjoy their little piece of football and they want a piece of the pie by having a dynasty team. They don't want to get into all this work. So you doing that work, you just putting that little bit extra in, it's going to make the difference and you're going to have so much more fun because you've got all these options and ways that you can go about it as opposed to just limiting. If you get the smaller leagues and the, those things, you just get down to those top players. That's all that matters. And there's so many players on the waiver wire if you have small rosters that 
you know, any given week, those guys can outscore anybody on your roster or even on your starting lineup. So it just takes away a huge part of that, the, the dynamic of you know, being a good player. The, the more you can add to it, the less luck is involved and the more skill is involved. And I just believe in you guys. If you're listening to me and you've gotten this, you know, to this podcast and you're actually you know, trying to develop your skills in negotiations, then I really believe that, and, you know, I'm sure you've got a plenty, plenty of good advice already on your, on your fantasy players and, and, you know, those kind of things. So it's just, it's just a matter of putting it all together. So really, that's it for the podcast. If you want more content like this, you can go back and listen to the past episodes um, or stay tuned for, for an upcoming episode here in the next few days. So if you want to reach out to the show, um, you can find me on Twitter at BigKnowledgeFO1. Um, I'm not real active on there, but I do do post the podcast on there. And you can email me at BigKnowledgeFootball at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a great day.